Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. I am I'm excited to be back in uh, Europe. Uh, this show today, I'm coming to you from TEDx Kajemirge, which is uh, organized by Richard Lucas. And Richard, uh, welcome to the show. Oh, thank, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Richard, you um, not all of my guests send me uh, extensive reading material uh, to get prepared for the show. And uh, I appreciate you doing that for a couple of reasons. One is I want to have an extended talk about community building. You wrote a a really great post about community building, which I then circulated to my entire team. Our event is in just a couple, about 10 days. And you make, you make some very, very good points. That, and then I'm going to put that in the show so everyone can read that as well. I think for organizers, it's fantastic. But I, but I want to start with having you explain to me how it is that you are, you, the first person I've talked to that I can think of who is a speaker, a sponsor, and an organizer. How does that work? Well, um, that's that's a good question. Um, and I've been involved in TED and TEDx activities since 2009, and we're recording this in 2017. So um, the beginning of my, my journey uh, with TED was when I watched a TED talk just as a result of a Google search, which was uh, Richard Baraniuk's um, talk about Creative Commons. And I, I, I was hooked immediately. I suppose that was the 2007, 2008. And I just thought, this is absolutely fantastic. And I, I wrote an email to Ted back then, which I no longer have a copy of, just saying, are you doing anything in, are you doing anything in this region? And then um, a year or two later, um, I came across Ralph Talmont, who was the curator and still is the curator of TEDx Warsaw. And by this stage, um, the first TEDx in Poland had happened in, in Warsaw, um, but I didn't go to that. But I, I, I remember then with some other – so I was aware of the fact that TED had come to Poland, but it was the early days of TEDx. There was not much going on. And then there was a lunch in a, in a restaurant in the center of Krakow where several people who were sort of what you might call just TED fans got together with Ralph from Warsaw. And we were just talking through what, um, what, would, uh, what would make sense. And I think at that stage, um, I think for personal reasons, I wasn't able to take on the commitment to put myself forward to be a uh, the curator, but I said, if anyone else here wants to do it, I'll be glad to help them. And uh, a guy I knew called Paul Clip uh, put his hand up and volunteered to be the the first uh, TEDx Krakow curator. Uh, Kazimierz, for those who don't know, Kazimierz is the Jewish district of Krakow in Poland. So Kazimierz is a subdistrict of Krakow, and Krakow is a major city, the former capital in Poland. And so I was part of the first TEDx Krakow team, and um, at that during that, and then um, one of the other team members nominated me to give a talk at that TEDx. So that was a slightly unusual situation that I just mm -hmm. and, and there was a process ultimately. Paul, Paul, Paul was the curator; he took the decision, and I knew he had some reservations, but in the end, he decided, yeah, that's okay because I had a I, I had a good. Um, 
a, a good idea and story to tell to do with a, a Wojtek the soldier bear, a bear that fought in the Polish army during the Second World War. And there's a whole there's a whole story behind that, which I perhaps won't tell now. And so, th so that was the first TEDx in Krakow I was a speaker at. Then I stayed in the TEDx Krakow team for, I think, three, three years. And so I was just helping. And, you know, when I say sponsor, and I, I'm, I'm in business, I could, I could afford to give some money. Um, uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, it's not, I, we do things at quite low cost here in Poland. We're not a rich, we're a middle income country. Mm -hmm. We're not like the UK or America but it was but because it was my own money I could decide very quickly and it was sort of useful for things like the, you know the in a not well-off country having someone who can like, contribute a, you know a few hundred dollars here and there towards the bill in particular arrangement is actually very useful when most people are struggling um, so I wasn't the primary sponsor but I was a sponsor while staying on the team and then uh, then around uh, 2013 14 I I, I had my own ideas of things that should happen as part of TEDx Krakow and, and thought I could do a, a TEDx Krakow salon. And after multiple discussions with the the then curator, Eva, Eva Spon, you know, where I was putting forward different ideas, it didn't quite meet what she thought was, was correct um, or what she wanted to have as a TEDx salon. She said, well, look, if you're so keen to do your own event, why don't you just put in an application for your own license? And I thought, well... Well, why not? And so I applied in 2014 for this sub-district, the, the Kazimierz district of, of Poland, for a, for a license. And it took quite a long time to get the license. And I talked to Will, Will Davis, both in New York and in the sort of famous, the famous Skype interview. Um, but I got the license. Uh, uh, I got the license. Will, Will, by the way, Will Davis has recently been in, been in Krakow. We organized a regional a regional. Uh, Central and Eastern Europe TEDx uh, organizer workshop, which Will attended as our guest of honor. That was just over, I think, six weeks ago, or maybe even four weeks ago. So not long ago. Um, so and so that so that and then then as of then, I've been a host. I obviously didn't, wasn't a speaker at my own events, but uh, um, I that explains the journey. So team member and team member and. Uh, uh, and speaker, then sponsor and team member, now now curator. Now these many years later, how many TEDx's? I mean, being organizing a workshop is is really a lot of work, and you meet a lot of people. Have you built a, a network in the region of other TEDx organizers, and do you frequently go to other TEDx's? Um, I do go to quite a few other TEDx's. I've, I've got a good relationship with TEDx Warsaw, uh, Ralph Talmont and several other people from the TEDx, TEDx Warsaw team. I, I know some of the other TEDx's around Poland a bit. I mean, we, we bump into each other at events and, um, so, uh, in Wrocław and, um, Tarnow, the people from Tarnow came to, uh, our most recent TEDx Kazimierz. Then around other countries, I've, I've had, I've been lucky enough to attend the TED Fest in New York in April this year and the TED Summit in Banff in, in Canada. And then also back in 2000 and, 11 and 2012 I attended 10 TED Globals in Edinburgh so I and also the, there have been other uh, TEDx organizer workshops where I've attended as a participant rather than an organizer so I would say that I've got a large number of somewhat fleeting contacts of people where <laughs> if I lived in this if I if I if I I'm, I'm extremely bad at remembering names and faces I've even put that on my LinkedIn profile that, that you know I often will forget someone's face within half an hour of meeting them and reintroduce myself, which is quite awkward. I think it may be prosopagnosia or face face blindness. But so coming back to your question, yes, I and, and just just this last um last month I attended TEDx Shoreditch in London and TEDx Brighton on the south coast of south coast of England. And when I was in South Africa a few months ago, I visited TEDx Cape Town and we, we, we took a photo together and exchanged, just had a sort of, uh, had a, like an hour long meeting just to exchange ideas. And I very much feel that this is an opportunity that not all TEDxers take advantage of this amazing local, local network, because even if you meet for the first time, going through the process of putting a TEDx together is such a sort of extraordinary unusual and wonderful and terrible experience in different ways that 
Uh, I'm using terrible words. Slight sense of irony. I understand. I think everyone who does it knows it's, knows how big the stresses can be. It means that you've got an awful lot in common. Plus, you know, as I put the fundamental thing, the ability to devote an enormous amount of time and energy to a, to an idea for free is not something that everyone has, and TEDxers have it in spades. Isn't that? An, I mean, it, it is one of the ties that binds us that we are willing to give as much time as we do, and our friends and social circle and family kind of check our sanity at times. You know why? Why? You know, it's you don't make any money. No, we don't make any money at all, and you just do it. Beca- yeah, because the ideas they're important. We, they need to get out in the world, and if we don't do this, they're not going to get out there. I'm talking of friends, and just to interrupt, my my daughter Helena has already had a license and delivered a TEDx at the university she attends in Scotland. Um, Helena Lucas, my second daughter, Antonia, is in the process of working on the TEDx Youth at Warsaw team. And their, their, their event is in, in a few weeks. And my son, Daniel, is a magician and has been part of our audience entertainment team. He's not been on stage, but he's, he's uh, helped out at many many TEDx's. My, my sister Helen, who's a doctor in London, came over to one of my TEDx and TEDx's and my brother Edward, uh, Edward Lucas, who's quite a well-known journalist, spoke at TEDx Krakow a few years ago and at, at my first TEDx, TEDx Kashmir. I, I noted after my first TEDx Kashmir that you know, when you do a TEDx for the first time, you use up your lifetime's contacts. All the people, the, the speaker selection is much, much easier the first time around than every subsequent one. It's a sort of, it's rather like starting a business where you start selling to your friends. And then once you've sold to all your friends, they're no longer there to sell to. And it's much, much harder second time around. So, so I, yes, TEDx does keep me away from my family, but it also brings us together as a family. I think this is the first that I've heard of an organizer who has a daughter, has, has the whole family. Now, there are families who do TEDx's um, on, on my list to talk to, TEDx Brisbane. Um, but this first time where a daughter is a licensee as well. Mm-hmm. In, so, you know, I mean, in our family, TED is a conversation all of the time. Um, I mean, for instance, given a choice, I would go to TED Fest at least once a month. Uh, you know, to be able to hang out and go to BAMP, like we spent our 10th wedding anniversary at TEDx um, Summit in BAMP and thought it completely appropriate that we do that. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was such a perfect, perfect time to spend a week with people who do exactly what you do and understand the 17 hats that you have to wear and how you have a, you you have to have a passing interest in all of it and a deep dive in some of it and completely clueless in other bits, but your ability to create a team allows you to bring in other superheroes who can do those things that you can't do and uh, to produce events. Now, I understand uh, in reading that you also do other events. So is it, what is it about events that you like so much? That's an interesting question, which um, actually is quite curious. I, as I was getting ready to do a, an event uh, a few weeks ago, my 16 year old son, Daniel, and I was sort of like rushing around collecting labels and pens and a speaker and, you know, all the different, the, the clicker and so all the things you need if you're doing a remote event. And he just looked at me and said, dad, do you enjoy doing events? And I, I really sort of like thought that is such a basic question that I, I actually, um, I had to think quite long and hard about what it was that I that I that drives me to do that, and I, I think it's um, it's a mixture of different things. It's probably a different is different now. The answer now is different to the answer ten or fifteen years ago. That um, ten or fifteen years ago, I think there was a really strong social element that I I just really liked. I really like meeting people. I, I and I still, to this day, to some extent, would rather meet a bunch of new people than meet people I know already. There's something about meeting a new person that I find extremely stimulating because you, you never quite know what it's going to be like. So I'd say that social side of it is important. In the case of the TED events, I I'm completely committed and. Uh, in sort of alignment with the TED idea of ideas worth spreading. And I think it's um, in that case, um, you know, you can't 
if you don't have a clear goal, then it's hard to organize yourself. It's hard to be a leader. And the clear, the clear goal for me is that TED is both a way of making, or TEDx is a, a way of making the world a better place. That you know, spreading, spreading controversial, interesting, disruptive, annoying, inspiring ideas. Um, steers people towards thinking and considering and reflecting and talking rather than uh, frittering their life away on things that are ultimately pointless. Um, in terms of the other events, a big common theme in the other events is supporting entrepreneurship, which I I draw quite widely. I, I, I emphasize it's business and social entrepreneurship. It's not just it's not just sort of the Silicon Valley buzzword rich startups of which in you know, game changing disruption disruptive, scalable and awesome are the four buzzwords of <laughs> Silicon Silicon Valley. And I but I um I the let's say I would say the events I do there are part of a a wider a wider goal of reckoning that it can really improve people's lives if they're aware of the fact that they can through entrepreneurship they can whether it's social or business they can have more control more influence and more 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 uh, agency over what they end up doing in their lives and the third thing which is very much a consequence of my my ted uh experience is that i um but not only i believe that i've partly being in Eastern Europe where budgets are limited, I've come to feel that it's possible to do a much, much better event than normal at much, much lower budget than is normally normally delivered. And I, in fact, there's a big uh, American government-funded conference happening in Krakow in just a few weeks, and the, the organizers of that conference have asked me to be a mentor with respect to community building and uh, to help make it more... More, like to give people a better experience and you know it may it may sound arrogant but in a Malcolm Gladwell type way I feel I've put my 10,000 hours in and you know if you add up the, the even the money I've spent on tickets to things like TED and the and the summits and so on plus all the time I've really invested a lot and benchmarking against TED is a very very high standard you bet yeah you know, which isn't to say that which isn't to say that everything that happens at a ted a ted uh, event is absolutely perfect but it's so much better than the the typical you know trade fair trade association academic conference it's not that there's no comparison it's that when you make a comparison uh, ted is orders of magnitude better in many many different dimensions so so um, in summary, it's because I believe in it. I, there are things that you can achieve through events. I, I get to meet interesting people. And I think now, partly thank, largely thanks to Ted, I, I can do it better than, much better than normal. The meeting new people is, I, I would agree, probably one of the, the things that attracts me the most. Um, when I was 19, I read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And, me too. Uh, me too. I wish I'd see, read, I wish I read it nine years earlier. Oh, it would have helped me in my teens. Oh my God! I I know. I know. I could do a whole talk just on that. I don't want to get us digressed. I feel like we could spend hours talking, and I know our listener is only going to listen for a little less than an hour. Um, when, we, when you look at your area, you've been to enough TEDs that we know that there. We've already established the high standard for everything. It's production, user experience. Uh, the 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 ethos um, everything that we do um, yet there is uh, an opportunity to make it uniquely suited for your community to reflect your community how do you, how do you do that what what is it that you pay attention to that says this this is different than Krakow because there you go that's the sentence this is different than TEDx Krakow because. Well, TEDx Krakow has evolved over the years. So, to some extent, the, the the what I'm comparing it with may may change from time to time. And just last Saturday, uh, so literally um, three days ago, TEDx Krakow had a very successful event in the Japanese Cultural Center in in Krakow, and I. Um, that event was smaller. So what was different is one thing that Kashmir is the is the Jewish uh, the historical Jewish. Um, uh, district of Krakow and Krakow used to be the largest, one of the largest Jewish cities in Europe before the Germans came in and did their murderous uh, work during the Second World War. 
uh, Krakow had a major a major Jewish district and uh, a good friend of mine and partner of TEDx Kashmir is Jonathan Ornstein, who who runs the Jewish Community Center, which is an inspirational inspirational place focused on rebuilding Jewish life in life in Poland. And um, in fact, I'll, I'll I'll send you a link over. He's he he and uh, he gave a talk together with a young man called Robert Desmond about the ride for the living, which is a cycle ride from Auschwitz to Auschwitz to Krakow, um, a charity cycle ride. Um, he also spoke at TEDx Warsaw um, a few years ago about the about the JCC Jewish Community Center. So we have and my, my sort of tagline for all the TEDx Kashmir events is bringing the best people, projects, and ideas. Um, by and for Kashmir. So if it's coming out of Kashmir's district, that's very challenging because you're talking about a, you know, an area with maybe 100, 150,000 people, a sub-region of a city. If it's for Kashmir, that's very easy because I've got the whole world to choose from. You know, any good idea can be relevant for this district. And um, Kashmir is a very mixed. It, it used to be very, very poor, but it's it's very close to the centre of the city, so it's now become uh, rather rather fashionable with um, a, a big sort of um, you know, night night nighttime economy, lots of bars and clubs, lots of tourists, lots of students. And then there's the pressures of the interests of the local community. Um, many what are politely called heritage tourists, uh, you know, in tourism language, Auschwitz concentration camp, or Auschwitzim as we say in Polish, is uh, about 80 kilometers from Krakow. And it's a major tourist destination. You call it a tourist. You can't call Auschwitz an attraction, but you know it's a place that many, many people from Israel and many other countries simply feel they must go to. So there's that. So there's this large number of tourists, particularly from um, Jewish uh, uh, communities around the world, come through Krakow. So it's a very mixed and diverse area. Um, my uh, and I try to find. I have. I try to find projects and ideas from the local area i although i very much agreed with chris anderson when we were he was giving a talk at the ted summit in banff where he where people were saying what about the call to action shouldn't your ted talk shouldn't a mm, tedx talk mm, or a TED i remember talk, that and the call to action and he said often yes but we shouldn't underestimate the power of an idea sometimes an idea alone is enough to change the way you look at the world to change the way you think and behave from now on you don't need any action but my and i really like that because that slightly challenged the view i had had which is that an idea that isn't put into action isn't nearly so valuable which comes from my my business entrepreneurial um life where ideas that aren't implemented are basically regarded as valueless in in the work environment um or or close to valueless because you keep on meeting people who want to who talk about their idea without implementing it um and so that that sort of brings together different things that i believe but in terms of the local community is is a battle to find the things i know literally i've walked into it's quite an interesting experience you i've walked into a police station walked into schools walked into hospitals just asked to see the director and say said tell me the most interesting thing going on in your organization oh, i love that speak, i love speaker that. sourcing and you know the astonishment in the police station was visible in the eyes. You know, like, don't be ridiculous. You know, a, you shouldn't be talking to me. B, <laughs> how, how dare you even think there might be something interesting going on in my police station? And and you know, it's rather disconcerting in a very big hospital in in Kashmir. You know, there must be more than a thousand person hospital, a big building on a historic street. The the director looked at me and said with a rather smug look on her face, you know, don't even think that we might be doing something interesting or, or impressive. And I did sort of wonder whether, you know, as as she went home that evening, whether for a flicker of a moment it might cross her mind that there's something rather disturbing about her telling some stranger there's nothing interesting or impressive going on in the organization for which i'm responsible so to some extent it's putting the putting the spotlight but we do we do find we do find local projects but my my underlying belief is that if you put compelling compelling ideas on the stage delivered by well-prepared speakers the audience the participants feel 
you've done very well you know whether you're straying a bit away from the theme uh, i tend to i tend to choose themes which are very very um inclusive so you know our themes have been ages no limit um was the first year um the second year it was transformation the third year was inspiration so these are themes which cover most things but right. you know right. I, I feel i feel much better to have a brilliant a brilliant talk and idea off theme than a very very close to theme talk which doesn't really move people uh, we could spend there's one more thing i didn't mention which is that um the focus on community building um it's i've felt from before i got involved in ted that building communities is something that is very important and worthwhile and increasingly necessary in a world where people are you know divided by by geography by competing claims on their time and sometimes by the political climate and so i wanted the tedx i was responsible for to be uh, a, a, an entity that meets regularly we tend to have month at least monthly meetups where people get together and a lot of emphasis and focus on giving a chance to people not just to hear talks off the stage but uh but also discuss them with each other reckoning that the filter of people who are interested in ted this is something i could have mentioned earlier that if you imagine a, a sieve and you're shaking the sieve and the holes are quite big and the people who drop through are the people who are interested in ideas ted is a wonderful sieve for filtering out like-minded people from different walks of life because it doesn't matter if you're young old black white straight um rich poor people from all these different communities may or may not be interested in ideas and actions speak louder than words if people show up to a tedx event they've shown by their presence they're more interested in ideas than usual which means that the people who show up tend to be people you're more likely to have something in common with if you're interested in ideas as well you i i love i had a visual going on in my head i'm an animator um, by background, and I just see this sieve and the, this population going through, and all these great little bubbles coming through the sieve, and those people, and those are the ones that are sitting in all the seats. And you, you say in the the post that you wrote on community building to stay away from, not necessarily stay away from, but don't cluster with the people you already know, and go up to the uh, I call them lone rangers. Uh, you know, the solo individuals, it's pretty obvious. Uh, I, my wife and I like to practice our networking skills and we work the fringes of a room and we'll walk, work the edge. And you can tell the person who's just standing there by themselves observing and uh, go out of our way to, to meet them. But you even say, take that person and you, you give some, I'm going to, I'm not going to give it all away because it's so good in your post in terms of the cues the teaching that you give in fact i'm going to take some of that for our volunteer training next tuesday night and to have the volunteers be called hosts not volunteers i love that um, but that whole idea of getting people to meet one another i want to keep going um along this idea of of as much time as and and money as you said that you've invested in uh, your education around TED, um, going to events, meeting people, hosting workshops. I mean, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing that you've done that. Are there any surprises left for you with TEDx? Um, that's an interesting, interesting question. Um, I think the, I'm uh, sorry, the, the, one of the surprises is the number of people who are still not aware of what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Crazy, I, right? I, I, I wrote into the sort of mission statement or values or goals of uh, TEDx Kashmir, evangelizing for TED and TEDx. Um, the idea that we're spreading spreading the word about something that can change people's life uh, for the better, and you know, it's it's still the case that people think, is it FedEx? You know, who's TED? Um, <laughs> And the, and you know, I so for me, it's a, it's a real privilege. I was I, just in the last. I've done more schoolwork in the last few weeks than usual. So three times in the last 
month or so I've been in schools and, and you know, I, I always ask questions. I always say I don't do I don't do talks, I do workshops and I expect I expect participation and you know, I make I take you have to be not exactly a bully, but you have to be ready to rub people up the wrong way to get them out of their comfort zone. So you you have to get them to stand up. You have to get them to talk to talk to people they don't know and share things that are slightly more personal than they'd normally share. But you know, I know that if I've introduced someone who's never seen a TED talk, to I very often show Derek Sivers how to start a movement talk because it's oh, short, isn't that funny. great? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, and, and and you know, actually, you know, I sometimes think that if I was going to Labor self-identify I'd be because he's got this wonderful line the the first follower turns the lone nut into a leader um and I think that you know maybe I, my blog should be called the lone nut but I know that would only speak <laughs> that, that would only speak that would only speak to people who knew the talk which isn't which isn't the whole population so that that's one surprise um apart from that um I think the um no, I'm not, I'm not sure. There's, I mean, there are always surprises when you're doing things with, doing things with people. Um, but uh, you know, people will continue to surprise you. But I'm, I'm not sure. No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there will be surprises. But to the extent I could identify them, they wouldn't be surprises. So, <laughs> so uh, um, I had to reword uh, my question. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I, I struggle to have one have one pop out of my head but you know but that doesn't mean that over the years I haven't I, I, I suppose you know there are things I've learned you know the challenges of working with voluntary teams on difficult projects is is something because I think a lot of volunteer organizations the you know the standards either the standards aren't so demanding or there's a professional layer as well as the volunteer layer so you know you, you as well as the you know, as well as the people who are helping out in the museum as volunteers, you've got paid staff right. whose job it is. Uh, uh, and so, you know, I don't know if their jobs are on the line, but their professional, their professional job is to make sure everything works. In the case of a TEDx, it's just the same, except you don't have that layer of paid professionals. So, so the, the process of making sure that all those volunteers, including us, uh, are good enough and committed enough to make it work well is... Um, is is important. Um, I, I suppose one thing that did surprise me visiting some other TEDxes is how different the TEDxes are. The the ones Poland, the ones I've been to in Poland, put such a such an emphasis on community building. You know, there's always an after party. There's a lot of emphasis on you know icebreakers and networking and integration games. And some of the TEDxes I visited in other countries, there just isn't any. There's nothing. So you nothing. have you know the yeah, the, the event ended at five thirty, and that was it. And um, no, no, nothing. And I, and yeah, you know, that was quite a surprise. And you know, on the one hand, you know, it would be, you know, the whole point of TEDx is that it can have a local flavour. It's up to the people locally right, who run it. Right. Take, you know, as as our tagline says, an independently organised event under licence from under licence from TED. It's not. You know, I, I think the TED model is brilliant, and I I've adopted it for other projects I'm involved in. But the but that can be surprising. But but having said that, um, I, I I think that you know there's no obligation to engage more than people do it's almost it's almost i suppose not everyone sees the full potential for example one of the i don't want to give the impression that everything's perfect in 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 our setup here i found it quite difficult to get some of my team members interested in the resources available from ted to to improve their professional development there's all the, the all the like online the webinars like, like like the hub like you know different resources and you know you're saying well you know if you wanted to you know, you just have to ask and people from TED headquarters will help you. And then, uh, people are too busy. And I'm thinking, well, if you're investing 100 hours of your life, surely it would be worth investing a little bit more to hear where, uh, how some of the world's best experts would do it. But, but you know, that's, that's an individual thing. You can't – not everyone's going to take you up on everything, I suppose. That is one of my motivations for this show. Uh, it was, I was originally going to do video tutorials because I've been doing, I've been a Tedster for 20 years and, and been involved from the very beginning in TEDx and have done quite a bit. And I enjoy all the aspects I love to teach and train. And I met with Will in New York 
um, oh, a year ago now. And he, he kind of guided, gently guided me away from the idea of doing tutorials, felt that that was Ted's, um, the onus was on Ted to provide educational material. And in the next breath told me about how, um, TEDx, oh, was it TEDx Venice? I'm not, I don't remember exactly. No, it was, it was in Austria, uh, that had, Maybe Vienna, maybe Vienna. It was the Vienna, exactly. I have my V's wrong, crossed in my head. Um, Had just uh, published a case study on the Hub a few days before, and he said, did you see that? And I said, "Um, I did. It was really inspirational. And he said, we can learn a lot from one another. And it was at that moment I said, okay, I'm going to go do a podcast and go talk to organizers around the world and find out, you know, just like, scientifically what is it that works what doesn't work what's challenging and that's how the show has evolved and and i know that a lot of teams uh, are listening right now aren't you team member of a tedx you're listening and learning from uh, organizers and actually uh, have gone and i've I talked to people who just do curation or a green room manager or talk to speakers from the point of view of what was it like being coached let's let's get that insider view because we we all want to do better at what we do, and we all are committed to the hundreds of hours that we volunteer our time, and we we know that we're doing something unique and interesting. And and uh, the premium brand, which is how I look at what we do, and that's how I coach our team. This is a premium brand. This is not a normal uh, an event that anybody can produce. It takes a lot of effort to say, yep, that's on brand. That's not on brand. That idea is not worth spreading <laughs> and you know how to be curatorial. Let me ask you, um, other than finances, which we've talked about a couple, you know, in a couple of different ways, are there any other ongoing dragons and challenges in doing the TEDx that you do? It could be personal um, or professional. Yes, and that's a, a dragon. So, and the the symbol of Krakow is a dragon, and there's a legend about the dragon. So, I was I was thinking, it's an odd by by dragon you mean bad things, basically. And the dragon behaved badly in the Krakow myth. So, challenges, yeah. Yeah, I um I think of Lord of the Rings, where um they discover that underneath the mountain is all of this gold and it's, Oh my gosh, look at all this gold. And then all of a sudden that big eyeball pops open and underneath the gold is a dragon. So there's a dragon in every story. You mean, you mean Smaug and the Hobbit, don't you? Exactly. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, a couple of dragons, let's say one, um, that after the 2017 event, which was on the 22nd of April, we, I personally felt a kind of burnout and several other team members did that it was, you know, I, I really put in more effort and energy than was, it's always more than it's reasonable, but almost more than I could safely, safely deliver for my, for my, uh, being. And so, um, several team members moved on in, uh, well, in a friendly way, but there was a sense of several of the key people weren't weren't going to be available this next time round. And at the same time, I was thinking, you know, can I bring myself to to do something of that scale again? And I decided with one or two of the other team members who stayed on that we would do smaller events this time round. So we'd do a couple of salons, and 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 we've we've had a quite a uh, a reset with respect to format because we've been doing monthly meetups which were ab- advertised as um, this is not a licensed TEDx event but is organized by the license holder and Will when he came to our workshop in uh, in uh, September said that that's not allowed so, so we had direct we had direct we had direct feedback from the head of licensing that part of our format isn't and you know we've applied for a salon license now but um, you know we applied over a month ago and the license still hasn't come through so we're in a bit of a quandary as to how we can continue operating when we want to do we want to carry on with our monthly meetups without um, having got a license because we've got a license for the main event, but not 
not the sounds from the monthly meetups, but but anyway, the we, we, but in our mind and within the team, we've got two very clear concepts: there's salons with speakers and salons without speakers. And salons without speakers are basically our monthly meetups. They're extremely uh, straightforward to organise, and I reckon I could, with a couple of helpers, I can do a salon without speakers in two or three hours preparation it's really you know I, I know it all by heart and you know all the format issues you know who does what where when venues i i know it all and i can deliver that for free um salons with speakers obviously then well i, I, I don't need to say to this audience but if you're not a tedx organizer the key thing with speakers you've got to find speakers you've got to find ideas you've got to prepare select them train them um make sure their slides work and then film them and then film them really well and then do post-production and get them uploaded onto uploaded onto youtube and that's a license obligation so you can't they, they, that can't go wrong and it's the most visible memory of your TEDx, right, so if it does right. go, if it does go wrong, it, 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 it is is terrible, and and also you, you know as you mentioned, it's a premium brand. It's a bigger responsibility to have a TEDx. You're you're being gifted, free of charge, one of the most powerful brands in the world, and so it's very incumbent on you not to be the person who diminishes that brand by doing a substandard a substandard video or a substandard event so 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 slight burnout was a was a, a, a was a challenge uh, certain types of team member are really hard to find um that there's a there's a very a krakow is a big uh uh startup technology hub and so anyone who can do web development work is in very high develop, high demand in the labor market so every hour every hour they work on something other than earning money, they're giving up. They're giving up a lot of income. It's a bit. I'm sure it might be quite similar in Silicon Valley. That you know, you're probably not not if you spend an hour volunteering, you're not taking two hundred dollars if you're a web developer because there's someone out there. The numbers won't be as high, but it's high. The rates are really, uh, in local terms, extremely high. Um, so, and it's hard to find marketing. There are a lot of people who want to help teams in teams, but there aren't that many people who are capable and willing to lead them interesting or rather you know when i capable and willing the people who want to lead them turn out not to have any people management experience and don't don't realize the um don't realize the challenges um you know as, as somebody who's quite an experienced manager i've got you know around 700 employees in different businesses around the world i'm i'm used to dealing with managers and you know i can support people who do want to manage their their teams but it's um but that's a uh, you know, keeping teams happy and productive and disciplined is is a challenge in the work environment, just as it is in a volunteer environment. Environment um, finding finding enough good speakers. Um, one of the reasons I didn't feel I could do a similar scale all day event uh, in 2018 is that I'm not sure I can find 10 or 12 ideas worthy of putting on the stage. I'd rather do shorter events of high quality than than be dropping standards it's um uh you know you get any number of people who say i want to give a great ted talk about road i want to give it they always got a ted talk they don't understand the difference between ted and tedx so I, I want to give a ted talk about artificial intelligence or you know about robots and you, and you say what's the idea and they say well i'll, I'll talk about my robots and i said you know talking about ro right. robots is not is not a tedx talk you know and you know i've, I've got a you know, I've been very involved in speaker selection and curation. That's, um, you know, one of my 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 areas. And you know, it's always what is uh, what? Why do you care about the idea? Obviously, what is the idea? Why do you care about the idea? Why should the audience care about the idea? Why are you the right person to talk about that idea? And what, if anything, do you want? Them to do with your idea, or what you want the impact of your idea to be, and you know you can have very experienced CEOs and you know quote VIP important type people, and they're just not used to being told, "I want you to give the talk of your life." You know why? And yes, well, I'll, I'll just talk about my project. Yes, but nope. You know, and nope. It, but I, I I relish in a way I relish those conversations when you re meet the right people because you can almost see them sort of toughening up a bit 
as they realize you're putting way more demands on them than they're used to in terms of what you're expecting from them. And quite often important people's, you know, they're self-motivated, so they put demands on themselves. But right, right. when someone's, someone's running an organization, they don't necessarily have a boss who's demanding things of them. Possibly they have a board or shareholders, but they're quite often, you know, to have someone external say, you know, are you good enough? Um, is that important enough? Is, is, is good for them, even if it's a challenge to deliver. That little three-minute section should be listened to by every single TEDx organizer because that is really the challenge. And I, and I think that's why Chris calls himself a curator because at the end of the day, our ability to have that exact conversation is what makes the event good or not good. And it makes people feel like they're attached to the brand and feel like it was worth them spending the six hours there listening to those ideas and paying attention. That was, you know, very, very well said. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of all of the people. My wife is a, a speaker coach and she gets hired to people will get a TEDx, you know, get selected for a talk and then they go looking for a coach and uh, they typically will find her. She's done, I don't know, 170 um, talks. And this one of our speakers, I said, uh, I, I was talking to him because I knew he could connect me to other people. He ran the Cousteau Foundation, and I knew he could connect me to some other people I was looking for. And in talking to him, I said, hold it. Have you ever considered giving a talk? And he says, no, he's, you know, he's the guy behind Free Willy, the whale story. And his mission now is uh, why do we have sanctuaries for you know, uh, apes and elephants and all kinds of animals, but there are no sanctuaries for whales. So he has been traveling the world in search of a place to have a sanctuary for whales. And he's going to give the first talk on that in a week. But at rehearsal last week, Kimberly came home and said, Charles said, if Mark would have told me at all how much effort this was going to be in creating this talk, I never would have agreed uh, yet he still is, he's professional, right? So he's digging deep to, to everything you said, right? And, and coming to the idea, I would add one, one piece in terms of the questions. And I'm going to go back and dig those questions out. We also say everything you said, and why does the world need to hear that idea now? So we understand that, mm -hmm. you know, that urgency piece, you know, why now? Like what? Tell me. And, and, and when it's a great idea, they, they, it's like, you're kidding me. Right. And then they just go off and it's fantastic. You go, okay. Okay. Good. Just, just checking. Let me, um, yeah, I, I want to, um, be mindful of my listeners attention span here and, uh, you're doing really well listener. I know it because this has been a great show. What, what advice would you give to, um, and you've just come out of, you said you did a workshop three or four weeks ago, to the um, experienced TEDx organizer, because we have a lot of people listening to the show have been doing shows since uh, uh, 2009, 2010. They've done a lot. What, what, ex what advice would you give to experienced organizers? Well, I, I think that um, I would focus very much on things other than uh, speaker selection. I, I'd, I'd say, assuming you've got speaker selection and preparation sorted, you, you, if, you do, if you have poor talks on the stage, nothing can save your TEDx. You, you can have the most beautiful venue, wonderful seats, perfect lighting, but if the talks are boring, you're screwed. So assuming you've got your speaker process um, under control, I would say really close attention to what we call audience experiencing, which includes but isn't limited to community building, is the thing that can be transformative. Um, I, I think I wrote in the blog post I sent you that well, certainly it's communicated to our team that we want people who, are, who, who give us a day of their life to feel that it was the best possible thing they could have done with their life, um, that it's, it was the best day of their week, their month, their year, or even their life. So we aim incredibly high. Obviously, we're not going to achieve the best day of our lives, their lives, but we're aiming to mean that they're completely in a different world, and that's to do with audience experience, which starts from, as you approach the venue, what do you see? So we will have flags and balloons that are visible from a long way away, 
um, TEDx Cracker have some external balloons, but you can have big flags as well. They're not that expensive. Um, as you get closer, you get music. So we have live music as people arrive because people don't expect. So you're constantly surpassing people's expectations. So in one case, we had a jazz band, but I, I love I love sort of. Uh, so popular piano music so you know a pianist playing then the queue experience if, if there's a queue to line up having games or you know we've got access to through my kids and some past speakers we've got magicians so having conjuring tricks like uh, so there are certain things you can do right at the start where as people arrive they arrive in a different world to the one they're expecting obviously they've been to TEDx's before they've been to one of our events before then um, then that um that's important so so grabbing people by the horns when when they as they arrive from the so pre visual and then audio so you're, you're trying to get them with all senses i say it's you know we've got five senses i haven't figured how to get 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 touch and smell and taste into it early on but if i did you know if i could have like a lemon a lemon scent blowing blowing over the queue i'd do that just or you know just change the change the flavors um then uh, that's one concept so get it right from the start the very first what happens in the cloakroom you know having a sort of selfie mirror in the toilets lots of little things that not that we've done that i've seen that at other events um that's one thing second thing is um the the welcoming which um, is, is I mean, I, I could go through what I described in the, the blog post, but just making sure that people, the event starts the moment the first guest arrives, the first participant arrives. Uh, we call them participants, not attendees, that make the participants part of the product, part of the experience. So they're, they're, that's a fundamental. Um, and, and, you know, that's from icebreakers through to these the, these little tricks and um, tips to ensure that people end up talking to each other. Uh, seating layout, having front filling on the seats, so no empty seats, making sure people sit, in, if people go to sit down, making sure they sit next to each other with no gaps. Um, There's what Chris Anderson did at the TED Global in Edinburgh, which I thought was brilliant, and I've done at every single TEDx since that I've been responsible for, is he came out and told the entire audience uh, something along the lines of, now please remember that you know, even all our speakers, even the most famous and well-known ones have been preparing for this day for for many months. And some of them, many of them won't have slept very well. Some of them may not have slept at all. So no matter how famous they are, a lot of them are going to be under a lot of stress and extremely nervous. He said, luckily for them, they're talking to the best audience in the world, the TED, the TED audience. Um is unlike any other audience. There couldn't be an audience who's more positive, supportive, and understanding of the stress they're under than you guys. And you could almost feel like 1,300 people in the Edinburgh International Exhibition Centre nodding to themselves saying, yes, I'm one of these supportive, positive people. And, and so he said, if they stumble, if they if, uh, bring them back with a round of applause. And that, that confronts the, what I call the arms folded. Uh, I'll, I'll do it like the arms folded. Impress me. Because some right. people come to a right. TEDx. They, they've seen a few TEDx's on, TED Talks on the Internet. And they're thinking, is this really going to be as good as, as what I saw on the Internet? And, of course, it's very hard to be as good as TED if you're a TEDx. That's a that's a very high. So you have to find different ways of taking on the impress me, impress me. So 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 that's a that's a, a very important thing. The the need to manage people's expectations, make them realise that they are part of it. The more they put in, the more they'll get out. They'd be a be a producer, not a consumer. Be a participant, not an attendee. And I think that. You know, the if you're experienced, all these areas of audience experience and like things like workshops, if there are workshops in the in the lunch break, in the breaks, make sure they're not chaotic. You know, have care for your attendees. Quite often you get huge queues and chaos around the workshops. People have taken huge care over the main event, but they, you know, there's a workshop for 12 people. And it's not it's not ticketed, so you just get an enormous queue, and sixty people are very dissatisfied, and twelve people are happy. You know that that sort of so like sometimes it's just caring about the attendees, um, making sure the participants, making sure that they they feel looked after. 
Um, we also and also we did things like we had designated designated food venues. We didn't provide food afterwards, but after the event and before the after party, we designated four restaurants or bars where there were promotional menus so that people with a badge could show up because a lot of people are from out of town. I always say you benchmark against the guy or the girl who's a bit shy. They don't know anybody and they're not the most sociable type of person and they're likely to be, maybe they're quite nervous about showing up at all. And I say, if we make it work for him or her, we'll make it work for all the more confident people will be fine. But you benchmark, you're trying to make it great for everyone, starting at the people who really need the most assistance and the most help. So, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of areas where a little attention to detail makes a makes a big difference. And um, maybe, maybe I shall, shall I take this opportunity to describe the the technique to ensure that no one stands alone. Sure. Okay. So so this this I I, I credit this to a, an American called Steve Carson from Budapest who helped me with uh, mentored me for first Tuesday events about 17 or 18 years ago, and he came to our first event. And he said, he just came up to me and said, Richard, and his job was to mentor. He said, Richard, you're doing it wrong. You're talking to the people you know. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, yeah, well, and he said, well, no, you talk to people you don't know. And I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, he said, it's simple, watch. And he said, this is the, he said, don't forget, I've never been to Krakow before. He just wandered up to a person and said, um, you know, hi, what's your name? And then slightly broken English. This guy said, "My name is Robert," and he said, "Oh, hi. I'm Steve from I'm Steve from Budapest. Uh, do you know many people here?" And Robert said, "I don't know some. I don't know so many people." He said, "No problem." He said, "Okay, I'll, I'll introduce you." He took Robert by the arm, pulled him over to someone else who was also an attendee. Obviously, people have to have badges with names on. Said, "Rob, uh, uh, oh, hi, uh, Susanna. This is uh, Robert. He doesn't know many people here. Please, uh, please be friendly to him." And she said, of course. And then he just came back. He came back to me and said, see? And it was as simple as that. So basically, you know, the key is you, you don't make your team constantly be party to the conversation. But you turn, and, you know, depending on the dynamics, if people are more friendly, you say, can you help? Uh, can you help? And people say, sure, of course I can help. Okay. See see anyone by themselves? Please go up to them and um, and introduce yourself because we don't want anyone to be by themselves. And, you know, one of the key things of this is if you do this from the, the arrival of the first and second guest, by the time the 10th or 20th guest arrive, or participant arrive, they arrive in a foyer that's buzzing with conversation. If you don't do that, the, the 20th person who arrives will arrive somewhere that's quiet, where people are staring at their smartphones or, or wandering around looking at the exhibits. So, and I find that that and, um, you know, just simple openness, like, where are you from? And it doesn't matter whether people say, you know, Algeria, Afghanistan, or Z Zambia, or Zimbabwe. There's an A to Z. Where are you from? Whatever city. You say, fantastic. You know, and that's completely sincere. I am happy to have people come to the event, no matter where they're from. And I mean it, but like that first thing, where are you from? Uh, where, whatever people say, you say fantastic because you're pleased. That's a positive thing. And sometimes I quite often I say congratulations. They say, why? And I say, well, you made it. You're in the right place at the right time. <laughs> it's just, it's just that, that positivity. And, you know, it, also, if you're the curator, if you're the leader, the license holder, it's very important that you get involved in this because you're set, you have to communicate it. It's one thing to listen to this podcast. It's another thing to get your team to do it. And you have to say both to your team, uh, assuming there's a core team of people who are deeply involved, plus all the volunteers, you have to say to your team, you have to set an example, you have to say to the volunteers, you are a key part of making this event successful. And even if you're a bit shy, you just have to say, you know, screw it. Well, you're a bit shy, but you, this is part of what you've committed to. So you're going to set an example, you're going to do it because you shouldn't really expect your your team to do stuff you're not ready to do yourself. And I, I, I think in the article I referenced, I, I picked this up from TEDx Amsterdam, the curator of TEDx Amsterdam was at the door welcoming people and shaking them by the hand. And, you know, again, that's a sign of good leadership. The leader is well organized enough to mean that he can do that. And, you know, it's just a question of priorities. And as uh, the, the typical bad event, and I st this goes on to this day, the most important people in a bad event are the speakers, the organizers, and the sponsors. And somewhere low down the list of priorities are the poor sods who show up to listen. You know, they're necessary for the sponsors and the speakers to be happy, but they're not the priority. And in fact, if you focus on the participants, the people who show up to listen, having a great day, 
then what that means is that the speakers and the sponsors will be much happier because, you know, of course you want to speak and sponsor at an event where uh, the the participants are feeling valued and engaged. And I, I so I think that's an area where um, there's so much to do and it's not, it doesn't cost money. It's a question of mindset and attitude. You are 800,000 times correct, at least. Uh, I don't have a big enough number. Uh, this was made extremely clear to me early, early in this show when I talked to Hannah, who is the user experience director at TEDx Wellington. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, we've done, you know, the, the things to engage people, but we hadn't made it a central focus. And I, I hadn't even considered that it could or should be a central focus, and after doing that show, and again, I'm so thankful I get to do this show and guys like you are willing to talk to us and in fact, share your good ideas with uh, the rest of the organizers. But this was such an important aha moment for me that I went out and found someone who is our, she's our cheerleader. She's our den mother. She's our, I'm going to make sure everybody has a great experience and it's, and she feels that it's not just the participants, but it's the team members, it's the speakers, it's the sponsors, it's everybody has. And and we call it user experience. And I think I want to call it participant experience or something because users are something we call drug uh, people who are drug users uh, you know so there's there's and we software users it's been a long thing you're in technology and you you do business and entrepreneurship so you the user is not the right word but it's it's the one we all know um, but I am my participant we just crossed the one hour mark and I think I've just broken a new record here but this has been all so good. I wouldn't have cut one sentence out of it. So I want to finish with two quick things. What okay. what TEDx would you like to magically transport yourself to this weekend to go visit? Um, I have met Elenia Crescia, if I pronounced her name yes, right, from sure, TEDx sure, sure. San Paolo a yeah. few times at the big TED events. And she's always given the impression of being my sort of model TEDx person, so open, friendly, delivering. I and mean, San Paolo, I think they filled a football stadium at some stage with people 10, as part of their Yeah. Um, so I just and I've never been to Brazil. I've been on the frontier once, but I I think that I'd love to see I'd love to see how that works in practice. And um, but I'd say a second answer to that question I would like. I would love to just be in a little school or village TEDx in the middle of nowhere, where something amazing is happening. So it's almost like it's more like describing what I should find when I get there than where it is. That I would love to be in a, a in a in a village school where they do a TEDx and it's having a transformational impact on that on that community. Um, and I, I I believe that depending on the the pre-TEDx state of a community, um, TEDx's do have the power to be instrumental. It's not just the ideas that happen that are delivered on stage, but it's the whole process of bringing people together. And um, so, so that's the second answer. That's 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 a double answer to a single question. I've heard that. Um, I want to go to one a, a TEDx I've not heard of in a place I don't know to learn something I didn't understand before. I love that. Um, I've done a show. I've had a great conversation with Elena. Uh, you can find that listener in the back catalog. And I didn't want to interrupt you at the very beginning, but I've had Ralph uh, from TEDx Warsaw uh, on the show. Uh, I have a graphic that I found on uh, the hub, which is this circular graphic that shows all of the uh, roles and all the interconnectivity between the roles. And so I reached out early and I, I said, I've got to talk to that person because that I'm a visualization guy. And so being mm-hmm. able to visualize what the show looks like is important. Last question. And I think I, I could extract this from many things you said, but I want to explicitly ask you about the hack, which is the thing that you can do that costs nothing that materially changes everything. Mm. Well, I I would think I would 
come back to um, this Chris Anderson practice, telling your audience that they have to behave differently as a group in, in the opening, in your pre, pre-housekeeping notes, that, that business of shattering the impress me expectation and creating a different expectation. I call it, I call it brainwashing because if you tell 1,000 1, people to collectively that they're different people from the people they thought they were before you communicated with them and as a group they make that change, I, I think that, that that's a hack. So just just go back and listen. I, I thought that was brilliant, and I, I think it's so important because you just tell a bunch of people, luckily, you guys are the friendliest, most positive, open-minded people in the world. And just that no one was thinking that before they right. said that. They, right. they might think individually I am, but it, it kind of raises the bar because it changes the expectations oh, so of much. the people around you. It changes. It's a kind of group manipulation in a very positive way because then you're thinking, well, I have to show that I'm positive because otherwise everyone else around me will be will be sitting there looking <laughs> looking positive and I'll be the glum one. And and so so I, I would say that that's that's a powerful that's a powerful idea. Um, uh, and actually, I, I'll share something that Ted could have learned from Elenia Crescia that um, when in the TED summit. In the final session, there were some empty seats. Chris went out and said, um, "There are some empty seats. Come down, come down from the back where people are standing." And Elia just whispered, just whispered to me, "There's a way to do that. I should tell him, which is you have to get anyone next to an empty seat, put your hand up until someone sit, fills the seat. When they'll, when they'll, you can put your hand down, which means you get clusters of hands going up around the empty seats. And if you don't want to have your hand up all the time, so you're beckoning people to your seat. <laughs> and and that, that's, a, that's a tiny hack. The big hack I've already gave, that's a tiny hack. And, that, and that, that, that's a simple one. Um, and if anyone's got any questions or uh, comments about... The things I've talked about, um, you're more than welcome to reach out to me either via LinkedIn or my email is very simple. It's richardlucas at richardlucas.com. And I'm, you know, as I travel the world, if, if you have a friendly, sociable TEDx and um, you would like me to come, just invite me and I will be glad to I'll be glad to join you at some stage in the next 10 years. I, I let you well, you have an open invitation and a seat uh, to TEDx Santa Barbara. Uh, anytime you Thank find you. yourself in uh, beautiful central California where it's it's lovely and we enjoy it. Richard, this has just been a spectacular conversation and I will I will post I'm gonna put a link I'll put your talk in and I'll put uh, material about your show. I'll get the blog in there. Um, uh, I also do a podcast on business and entrepreneurs and uh, I, I know that you st- you do a lot of work in that area so I feel as if I've met a kindred spirit today mm-hmm. me too it's, it's the first time we've had a proper conversation but I, I'm sure it won't be the last and it was a pleasure so if anything, <coughs> if anything I've said has been of value um, thank you for helping facilitate the, the, sh- the sharing of it Richard thank you so much bye bye Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.